fun. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And we hope you enjoyed our, our first episode of the 1980s Twilight Zone. Um, we talked about the segment Shatterday. I hope you enjoyed that, that conversation about the multiple Bruce Willis's, uh, multiple Peters. Um, we'll just leave it there. It's like Looper. Lo- yeah, it's like, yeah. You know, speaking of Bruce Willis, we didn't even talk about Looper last week. Not going to get into it. I love Looper. I thought that was a pretty cool movie. I have to see it. So yeah, it's, it's I, solid. Yeah. Uh, who's the other dude in it too? Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I like him. He's pretty cool. He's yeah. a he, writer, director at this point, I yeah, think. Yeah, so check out Producer. Looper. Um, but yeah, with it. so again, letting everybody know, uh, this is a Twilight Zone podcast. We have covered the original series uh, all in full. You can go back and find that. We've covered both Jordan Peele released uh, seasons for uh, Paramount Plus. Please check those yeah, out too. As well. Um, it, one season is was released part of a Patreon that's no longer around in terms of taking money. If that's not active right now, reach out to us. I can, I can reopen that up. You can get those 10 episodes. So anyway. A lot of Twilight Zone we've talked about, talking about more Twilight Zone, getting into the 80s here. Uh, this is still season one, episode one, but it is um, segment two or segment B, a little peace and quiet. So it's the second half of the episode. Uh, the day and date is same as the previous episode. Go back and listen to that and just know that, um, uh, was it uh, not Delta Force? Uh, what was it? it was um, Invasion USA. Invasion USA is the number one film, and it still is. And you guys should all support support your local truck noirs. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, what's uh, the song by Dire Straits? That's oh, still Money a, for Nothing. Yeah, Money so, for Nothing. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So uh, there we go. So that's your day and date, and then stuff happened. And now we are here in the second half of episode one. Uh, what do we got, and who's doing what here, Terry? All right, so uh, first note here is uh, Melinda. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Melinda Dillon plays penny uh she would most people would know her from the christmas story so uh, us being a clevelanders we definitely know the christmas story very well uh, yeah um and then uh close encounters of the third kind yeah she got a nominated for an oscar for that and here's my one of my uh, terrible admissions i don't think i've ever seen close encounters of the third kind it's a good movie it's a really good movie i haven't seen it for probably 20 years so I can't remember the details of it, but it's a really interesting movie. And I think everybody knows the whole like uh, sequence where like uh, the world is talking to the spaceships yeah. and the, through I, I've tones. Seen that, that's been parodied and aped so much. It's like one of those things that... Like the Simpsons did it too, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, they even... I mean, there's even that brief bit in like uh, uh, Independence Day where they try something like that yeah. and they just get annihilated, right? Yeah. So like we... Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's been it's so ingrained in pop culture that you know it. And I do need to sit down and watch it. I don't know why I haven't because I am a fan of Spielberg and especially this time frame, I just never have. Yeah. But yeah, whenever with Melinda Dillon, um, I was watching this. I was like, I know her, and then it was like, oh, Christmas Story. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why. Because yeah. she has like kind of this weird shag haircut too. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I know this lady. Why do I not? 
And she has like this, right like, this kind bat. of like bemused like uh, titter about her whenever she's like doing something. Yeah. That you get a lot in a Christmas story when she's dealing with like her, her youngest kid, you know? So like, uh, and yeah, like I just, I was happy to like, I'm like, they just clicked once I, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. And, and, per, yeah. and she's also in Harry and the Hendersons, which I, it's yes. a great, great eighties film about, you know, a Sasquatch. A Sasquatch. <laughs> and John Lithgow, not the same person. Uh, yeah. Also, she was uh, uncredited in the Muppet movie Slapshot, which I love that movie. Like, I've seen Slapshot, not Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Apparently, she's a puppeteer. Oh, okay. Because there was, there was a few credits there where she was doing, like, for the Muppets, puppeteering. So I was like, that's really cool. So, like, good for her. Uh, being multiverse, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, and next here, uh, uh, Greg Mullivan. Yeah, I think Mullavy. Mullavy. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's too many letters in that name. I, he yeah. plays Russ. <laughs> so, uh, husband, Penny's yeah. husband. Yeah. And uh, 151 credits. Uh, not a lot that I knew of. Uh, lots of shows. Uh, he was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. That's what I have listed. That's it, unfortunately. So, like, again, very rec- I, I He looked familiar to me, but it's just, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things that. He didn't. I didn't ultimately recognize him, but he looked familiar. Yeah, as of a few years ago, he's still working too. So yeah. that's good. Um, uh, next here we have Virginia Keeney. Yeah. Um, plays Susan, one of the daughters here. Uh, she was in. So these are great credits. So she was in uh, the cinematic classic Ticks uh, <laughs> with Seth Green. And uh, is they, that the one that also has? Um, oh uh, shit! What's his name? Um, uh, you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the the uh, Carlton isn't Carlton is that as well? I, you very yeah. very well could have been yeah. in this. I have yeah. not seen this movie in a very long time. This is definitely one of those things when I would just like turn on Cinemax at you know like in 1993 or whatever. Yeah, Alfonso Ribeiro is in there. This. You go. And, uh, recently departed uh, Peter Scolari. That's sad. And, yeah. But Clint Howard, you can't have a movie called Ticks without Clint Howard, I guess. So. Oh, there we go. Yeah. There's so there's some you know yeah. connections to horror all around. Sure. And then um, <laughs> I, and then she was also Invaders from Mars, which is a, a remake of a, a '60s film. And I, I love Invaders from Mars. That's a Toby. That's uh, Toby Hooper. Toby. That was um, a Canon produced film, Correct. if I remember right. Yep. And yeah, um, I I did see that growing up. I don't remember much about it. It's. A little wild. <laughs> so, I mean, brace yourself for watching that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, next here we have Brittany Wilson uh, plays Janet, another one of the daughters of the family. Uh, four credits. Mm-hmm. Wasn't familiar with the other three yeah. credits. Uh, Joseph Harris plays Russ Jr. Lots of Dallas. Lot like I think he was episodes pro- of Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I think he was on the entire series or whatever. But like, yeah, good for him, and I he's mean, still acting. And that I mean, and directing too. Like that syndication paycheck is probably decent. You know. That oh you get, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Judas Barris, uh, Barris, uh, Barcy, Barcy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she's play- she plays Bertie Bertie. Uh, she was in Jaws of Revenge. She did some voice work, so she was uh, she did voice work in uh, Land Before Time, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, and the sad note that I have to bring here to uh, mm-hmm. the forefront is, um, unfortunately, she had a very short career because she was um, she was unfortunately murdered by her father, uh, her mother, and her father. Well, her her father, who became weirdly jealous of her of her success, uh, came home and shot her. Her mother and then himself. Yeah, there was a lot of domestic yeah. uh, disputes that went on here. I think there was a lot of, you know, a lot of things that were go- like under the wraps. Um, 
And then unfortunately, clearly things weren't good. Right. You know? Yeah. So that so, was a bummer. I was like, oh shit. Like you're like, so you don't want to Unfortunately hear about, at the yeah. age of 10, um, yeah. her father murdered her, her mother and uh, himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, very right. short career. But in that very short career, she had a lot of credits. Uh, she did 75 uh, commercials. Like, wow. For, you know, like Toys R Us and stuff like that. So, so she, you're saying that she had a much more prolific, prolific, prolific career in her time than I ever will. So, all right. Yeah, great. I mean, yeah. It's great that she had something, but it's unfortunate yeah, that, that it was cut yeah. short. So, uh, poor Judith. Okay. Um, and then next, uh, I don't know if you had any more credits. I have mind. a few here. I'll, let me run through here. Uh, Claire Toraro as the newscaster, a lot of TV work. Uh, Elma V. Jackson is the first shopper that we run into. Uh, seven credits. I just want to mention she's in the Steve Martin film, Man with Two Brains. Um, Pamela Gordon as the second shopper, the one that was really upset about the Choco Poppers and wanted them. Um, this episode is brought to you by Choco Poppers, just like everybody know. Choco uh, Poppers, yeah, Daddy, uh, get yeah. Me. Uh, X Files, subspecies two and three. Uh, I'm guess I guess if you're good enough for one, you're good enough for the other. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, um, Weird Science, and then I also have uh, Laura Waterbury as the third shopper. Uh, the Mac and Me. And better off dead. Maybe she's the one that was fighting for the Choco Poppers. Pride of Bedford, Ohio. There we go. Um, Todd Allen as the preppy man. As a preppy man. Uh, he was in Django Unchained. Uh, episode of Phrase Nightmares. Episode of Amazing Stories. Isabel Walker as preppy girl. Alfred Hitchcock presents the 80s series. Amazing Stories and Real Genius. And to go back to the start here. This was written by James Crocker. Uh, five total credits of the 80s Twilight Zone. So meaning segments or stories. Consulting producer on two episodes of 2000's uh, Twilight Zone, the one with um, that was the CW or whatever it was. Uh, so he actually, had, it's one of the few people that had Twilight Zone experience going into that that, that version that I, I know very little about. Did some DS9, Outer Limits, and then also wrote five episodes of the 2000's Twilight Zone. And this is directed by Wes Craven, which we talked about last week. Yeah. So, uh, credit to you for picking up the pieces on the writer credit there. I'm sorry about that, folks. Yeah, well, hey, whatever we, it's cast. Uh, we call it cast and crew, but we never get into like anybody else. So we always, you know, like whatever. Anyway, so yeah, uh, we talked about Wes Craven last week. The, there's going to be five more segments of his that he does uh, direct for the series. So always good to have him, and you know, because it's Wes Craven, and also with James Crocker actually having some additional story credits going forward. Again, we talked about this last week. It's going to be good to build a foundation and like to have some more names to maybe compare their work against themselves, so we can kind of see the breadth of what this new uh, Twilight Zone is. So that, that's you know that's cool, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's our notes. Let's just uh, let Mister uh, Aidman uh, take it away. Wouldn't it be nice if once in a while everyone would just shut up and stop pestering you? Wouldn't it be great to have the time to finish a thought or spin a daydream? To think out loud without being required to explain exactly what you meant? If you had the power, would you dare to use it? Even knowing that silence may have voices of its own? To the Twilight Zone? <laughs> I just feel like they had to add the words Twilight Zone. It's like, hey, 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 just tell them the show. To the Twilight Zone. Okay, got it. Got it. We're good. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, so that that's the beginning here of a little peace and quiet. Um, that's well, that's our our Twilight Zone intro. Um, we um, we meet Penny uh, in bed uh, with her husband. And they're like waking up in the morning because the alarm clock goes off, and it's the loudest alarm clock in the world. 
because um, it's playing the radio and just blaring, you know. And I would have drop kicked that thing. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, oh, one of the kids must have turned it up again. Um, you know, so this is a common occurrence that the kids turn the ra- the alarm, like the radio. They're like up. gremlins. Yeah, oh, these kids are terrible. I, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about the kids in a second. <laughs> yes. um, you know, I will. Okay. Actually, brief aside, uh, you know, everybody at home, mark your bingo cards. Uh, I had a buddy of mine on his last, like one of his last weeks in college. This was after I graduated, so I wasn't around for this. He made, he actually designed and made up a, like a time listing of like figuring out, like he played like, I forget what it was, something obnoxious at like, you know, five in the morning in the house that he lived in with the other guys. But he set up the CD players and everything to all be when he would walk through the house and hit play. They were like within time of each other so that he could set it off. So everything would play at the same time just to wake him up because it was his like last week in school before he graduated just to be, you know, just as a prank. And he, he just stood outside and just waited for everybody to get mad and come out and see what was going on. Respect to him to time it all that way. So. That's like uh, Doc Brown in uh, yeah. the original Back to Future. <laughs> so credit credit to you, sir. Uh, like I, I'm glad I was. I'm glad I was not there to see it because I would have been woken up and angry. But hats off to you. So anyway, so I'm believing he snuck in here and turned up the radio and then snuck out. So yeah, like uh, we already get. You know what? What better way to start a story to show her life by being just just scared away, immersing chaos, by <laughs> noise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's funny. Cause, um, I was like a nice, quiet neighborhood birds sing. And then just chaos is my first note. Right. So the alarm is set too loud. Parents wake up and then we get to the breakfast. It is the loudest breakfast I've ever heard in my life. Um, which is, this is all done on purpose. Like you, for an episode or a segment called little peace and quiet, we get, we start to see Penny's life from the jump that it is just constant, like, assault from all sides of like, it's the kids. It's her trying to make breakfast for them. Um, it's the dog barking. It's, um, it's the father asking for like different things. Well, the, yeah, that's, that's weird. But then also like the, was it the, the dryer, um, is like, it, uh, it, yeah. it wants to eat things. It's the thing I've never, I've not seen a dryer move that much outside of a cartoon. It's like, um, have you ever seen a Mr. Mom? <laughs> I have. It's been forever. It's <laughs> Michael Keaton. Like, it's like when he loads the washer, and then they're like terrified because they think the washer is that going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, like this, if this dryer moved anymore, it would have been one of the, the appliances from Requiem for a Dream coming out to attack people. Like that thing was jumpy, right? But then, so we get her like trying to just manage her day. Like the husband comes in, he was like complaining about like seeds being in his shoes and somehow blaming his wife for that. It's like, I don't think your wife put plant seeds in your shoes. I think one of your asshole kids did this because, you know, we're supposed to understand that these, they have five kids and they're all really, really young and they're being kids. And I never want kids. <laughs> and this, this is my nightmare scenario. And it solidifies us. Right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. um, I was like looking I, at this the entire time. I was like, anybody ah. listening to this that's a parent, you know, you're a stronger person than me. My, you know, congratulations. I, lay- I respect you so much, but I do not want that, Paul. Like, Paul, I laced my fingers and put them behind my head. Yeah, I was like, watching. Yeah, you're, like, yeah, you're like, like, relax. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. yes, this um, is the best sound. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, like, what was it? Um, she she goes to get the coffee cake out of the uh, out of the oven, and it's smoking. I'm like, that's great. And like, the kids are just being obnoxious. And then um, the the phone starts ringing, and then she goes to answer it while everything's going on. And she whoever she's talked to, she's like, yeah, it's like World War Three around here. 
I thought that was important to know. That's a nice <laughs> little, a nice little story beat. Um, and then seeds of my shoes is what the husband goes into. And oh, there's also a thing too about um, the the boy, the one the one boy child of like the the horde of children brings Rest a snake junior. in. He brings a snake in, and the and the little girls are like they're not impressed. Uh, so we don't know what happens to the snake until. Uh, Penny turns around and the snakes on the flat top grill with the bacon, which is a funny visual. My point is, wouldn't that have started smelling up the house the moment you threw this dead snake on that grill? Um, but whatever. Um, that so yeah, that's her life, you know. And um, and so I wrote in my notes here. I was like, credit to Craven to make sure that every goddamn thing in this makes noise. Like everything makes noise, right? And it's again a purposeful decision to show how everything is just forcing itself in, into her, her space, her head, you know, and she's and just changing her psyche essentially. Yeah. Because I mean, like Penny is a mom. She's doing a hell of a job at this point because these children are alive and well, and they're uh, like, they're growing. And there is a lot of people out there that I don't know if they could actually make it this far because these children are hellions. Yeah. I mean, there's some, I'd say that they're, she, they're lacking some uh, disciplinary problems, but I, you know, again, not my family, you know, right. whatever. Uh, but, so. And she has a smile on her face. She has a great smile on her face and she's trying so hard. And she's trying to do her best by everybody around her. Yeah. So, you but know. even the bit whenever like like the what was it, the dryer's going all crazy, and she tells her husband like, "Hey, can you go like take care of that?" He's like, "That's not my. That's your department, not my department." Like, but like she's like, "Just turn it off." She's not asking for him to fix it. You know, yeah. it's like this is not a 50-50. I would have like, kicked that dude in the yeah. shorts real quick. Yeah, I've been like, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now this is your yeah. problem. Now knock all the seeds out of your shoes and put them on and leave. You know, can, so knock yeah. your seeds out of your pants. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, and that's when like we get her life, and that's when we get the the intro that we hear right where she's just like. Like, wouldn't it be great to tell people to shut up, right? Like, yeah, it would be. Um, but then that's when we go outside and she's has her brief moment of kind of peace and you hear birds and everything and Tillin. Yeah, but the fountain is loud as all get out too, but she's like trying to plant stuff and then and then someone across the street starts like like uh, a chainsaw, which you know, that's still relatable. I don't care how many years beyond we go from here. Like everything about this is relatable so far, but the whole like, especially you as a homeowner, <laughs> you can, you can associate with those kinds of sounds in the oh, morning. Like, ha, no, uh, <laughs> just, there, there is like, I mean, I, you know, life exists. There's a number of houses around me that during the summer months choose very peculiar times to mow their lawn. And I, I can't fight it. It just is what it is, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, the chainsaw and everything just, we don't know how early in the morning this is, but it does, still enter her life and like her, her headspace, Right. And so we get all that in peaceful time, really. Yeah. Cause I think that she does her gardening to just kind of be like kind of a Zen moment. This too. is for like, her. Yeah. Let's put her, we'll put ourselves in her spot right now. Penny is trying to have a peaceful moment to herself <laughs> and all these sounds are still existing, but it's like, she's trying to grit through it and she's still saying, shut up. Yeah. She's still saying, <laughs> yeah, she tells the, the, yeah, I like how she tells Chainsaw. She's like, I'll just shut up, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, so she's like digging and she finds this box that happens to have a necklace in it that looks like a sundial. And it's a pretty cool looking little necklace. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. I like it. So then from that point, uh, we end up finding her in the store. That's just, again, just a nightmare inducing because there's like kids on the cart and they all want sugary cereal. And then she's trying to talk to them and one of the kids runs away. And, uh, and then as she turns the corner, she, they, she collides with another cart, which I, I, this just pisses me off just from a, just a human being standpoint. The other person looks at her like it's her fault. When like both she's of a them, piece of shit. Like yeah. both of them hit it. It wasn't like, 
you know, I don't know. And then, and then behind them, there's a, a, a display of cans that the stock person's like working on that falls over. But you could also see in his attempt to like not knock them over, he keeps knocking them over and it just becomes more and more noise. And yeah, so that's pretty terrible. Um, cause you know, uh, like the kids want a choco pop or she wasn't going to do that and it knocks the cans over. But yeah, so then we cut from there to her in the kitchen again and the big, so, but we see her day. This is her, her day, right? This is how it goes. Uh, she's trying to make food. She's listening to the radio and the radio starts talking about these uh, arms talks between America and Russia and how these, these arms uh, talks and peace talks are breaking down. And she's like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't want to hear about that. I want to just listen to music. That's important to me because while well, living in 2022 and any of us getting for the past couple of years, it is, you know, you, your life is in front of you and you have so much going on and there's so much that you're worried about that. You, how much more can you put on your mental plate? You know, like about hearing about this, like, right. you know, do you have that bandwidth to and, do and, it? And we're not a political podcast here, but you I mean, know, we're, we're, you know, anti-Nazi. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, pretty fair, yeah. right? So, like, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're recording this January 11th, 2022, and there are still things that are mirroring this timeline. You know, oh, yeah, like, no, there's always, I mean, there's always Russia tension. Russia is yeah. about to invade, you know, Ukraine. Ukraine yeah, and, yeah. And there's a lot of things going on. North um, Korea is like still doing her thing. Yeah. And, and, like, and even in the commentary nuts. on this, um, they did like Craven and company uh, talked about how like, you know, it like you had to remember at this time, this was during the, like the, like the peak of the cold war. Right. right. And it was like, there was constant worries that, that, you know, there were going to be, you know, missiles launched and everything. And it's so, which, you know, it's, it's, you know, seeing how things are still uneasy now. Right. Right. It, it takes, it takes you a moment to go back to then because I remember growing up as a kid, like when this came out, I was like seven years old and just you, even though I wasn't, actively aware of why I knew Russia what portrayed to me was the enemy and that there was this possibility. The red scare was a thing. Well, yeah. Um, so there was this thing. So I, you know, very bold choice. We'll get into this later to, to, to tackle what they tackle here. Um, and again, it also feels very much in the wheelhouse of what the twilight zone uh, can be. So, so, but I also want to point out that the youngest girl can't seem to keep hold of any liquid in any form without dropping it and spilling it. Like, did you notice the that, milk and uh, like milk, uh, there was like juice on the table. They like say every time you gave birdie something, it was going to get spilled. Like that's all there was to it. I'm like, maybe don't give this kid liquid. That, that's, I don't know. But, um, so, um, so at this point, then the husband is uh, yelling that he comes in with his, his uh, softball jersey. He's like, you know, I have softball after this. He basically is saying, you know, I have my own fun that I'm doing without you. And there's a hole in my shirt that you need to take care of. Like, you know, and all the, all the while she's wearing the necklace. Like we find that she does like the little medallion. She's wearing it. And and then the dog's barking and because uh, the phone's ringing and all this stuff. And that's when she just finally snaps and just tells everybody to shut up. And then they do. They freeze in place. Um, and it's very reminiscent of, um, a certain type uh, of stopwatch. Yeah. Certain. Yeah. That, um, that one. And also there's a, an episode, especially the last shot of this episode reminds me of elegy from, uh, season one of the original twilight zone. So yeah, everything stopped. Everything's frozen in place. 
And she quickly realizes, because she does some tests to figure out, like, is it just, what did I do? And then, like, you know, she, t- she says, start Testing talking. Testing reality, yeah. really. She's like, start talking. They're talking again. She says, stop talking. And then she takes off the necklace and tries it and realizes that the necklace is the thing that is this. And she's like, huh, that's interesting. It's great yeah. problem solving skills. Like, yeah, she, could- she figures it out pretty quickly. <laughs> Credit to her, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've and, seen hell of a lot dumber characters in past episodes. So. Yeah. And so at this point, uh, she figures out she has this power and, um, what was it? Uh, she, then that night when she's in bed, I think it's when they're in, like, they're watching TV husband's asleep, but the TV's talking again about these arms talks and she just tells it to shut up. And she realizes that her power doesn't just, it, the, it's, it's not within those walls. It's, it's worldwide. Yeah. Right. So that's what she figures out. And, you know, and there's a certain kind of power with that. There's certain kind of like, it is a power, but there's also that kind of like, huh, I I can do things with this. Credit to the writing on that too, because if we see these broadcasters paused at that exact Mm -hmm. moment too, we can see that it exists without those barriers. And they even make it a point later to have her, which we're going to talk about when she goes to the supermarket again. But in the morning, it's a nice, quiet breakfast because she stopped them all frozen. <laughs> That's great. And she's just, she's like, this is how breakfast is supposed to be. She's just having like a nice, quiet breakfast with the chaos, like this frozen chaos. Like the birdie is in the process of spilling a drink. Her husband's in the process of tying a tie and the tie is like stuck out at an angle. And it's all these wonderful visuals because um, again, people, this was 85 when this was, when this was filmed. Um, if you have not seen the segment, go and watch it. Uh, because these are all actors standing still yeah. and you can see a little bit here and there, like, but kind like of a little, vibrations. So a little, a little bit of a wobble sometimes, you know, whatever. And also amazing that they get the kids to stand still for some of these shots. Um, so it works really well. It works really, really well. And like the tie, they just, they ran like a piece of wire through it to keep it like in that position. Yeah. The liquid spilling is actually just a plastic mold that they put in there. It's like, but it all, it all gives that sense of con- like motion. Right. And, and it works and it's really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, so then we get her going to the grocery store and she's like shopping around and, uh, and she goes to grab the last box of Choco Poppers, right? And the, the this other mother who's a bitch, she's like, no, I told my kids they could have Choco Poppers. She's about the uppercut. Yeah. Uh, uppercut. She's like, like, what wow, is, what's going on what's here? What's this hostility yeah. here? And it's just like. It's cereal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure like, you know, fast forward to like, you know, 2020 and it's like, I need to buy a roll of toilet paper. Oh, why are you pulling a knife? I don't. Anyway, so. um <laughs> So yeah, uh, but but also when Penny's like, but my kids want Choco Poppers, and it's like, and the mom's like, well, too bad. It, I mean, fair play, she did grab it first, you know. But the way she was being aggressive, it felt about like it, she like spiked the ball. Like that's <laughs> well, what it felt I, I, like. I, just, I, made, I was looking at this again, and like when they're arguing about this, now I was like, but Penny, there's grapefruits right behind you. Everybody loves grape nut, not grapefruits, grape nuts. Everybody loves grape nuts. Grape nuts. Everybody's mm. favorite uh, cereal that's like gravel is right there. You know, it's like, did you ever want to know what it's like to eat like wet sand? Grape nuts. You know, like. <laughs> Um, so everybody loves things it. moving though. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it does. Right. Um, so, uh, so then she tells him to shut up. She stops time. She grabs the chocolate poppers. I'm pretty sure she puts a box of grape nuts into that. It was, hands. it was grape nuts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get this to your kids. Yeah, I thought they, that was great. You know? Um, so, and then we also find out that she has the ability to kind of physically, move people a little bit to, to, That's to animate pretty cool. Them. It's yeah, pretty it's a, cool. It, it's, a, it's a nice touch again to it's show like that what, movie click, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, 
So then she also goes to leave supermarket and she ends up just giving the manager like cash. I'm like, you know, you could just steal this. Like, you know, like you have. It, it, it's like, but the morality. There, I it's understand like, that. It's like, uh, you know, it's like that one scene in Dawn of the Dead where it's like they take all the stuff from the grocery store, but then they throw the money. Or yeah. no, I'm sorry, uh, Phantasm. Fan, I'm oh. thinking of Phantasm. They take all the stuff, all the supplies from Phantasm too, and they just throw the money onto the register till. And it's like. All right, so it's like you still want to have respect for things and that. Like that's fair. I mean, yeah. and also credit. There's also a nice long shot of her going through through the supermarket, and then when she gets to the manager, who um, that actor does not blink during while he's mm-hmm. on camera, and she puts the money in his mouth and closes his mouth, and then she pulls like pulls her cart away. Um, that's a great shot. And then when she goes out in the parking lot, this speaks to <laughs> what you're saying about the, the the scope of the world. Yeah, there's like uh, a car crash happening or a car crash that had just happened in mm-hmm. the parking lot. And there's all these people around that are all frozen in place and she just navigates it. And it's like, there's also the bit too, where she touches the guy's butt because she can, which I thought was like, that little, was a fun little scene. Oh yeah. A little. Yeah. But she's like, problematic. Do, I, do I, do I just touch this hot guy's butt? And she just, she just does like the little poke. It isn't like she goes up and falls on, you know, full on, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, this, the way that she plays that, uh, is actually really funny. Like the, like the way Melinda Dillon plays that's kind of like, do I, do I not? And then she's like, woo, I did it. You know, she's enjoying her power, you know? And, but that shot of the, the supermarket is, is quite cool. Right. But then, um, yeah, uh, we, um, we get back home and that's whenever she's just, you know, doing her thing, cleaning the, the, the place. And that's when the, the preppy people show up, you know, um, that's when they, they're part of a group called non pop, which is this whole, like, anti, you know, uh, arms, anti, you know, atomic weapons. I, I know the word is nuclear, but I always mess that up. I Nuc- always, you did it. You I, did I, I, d- I had to slow down though. I had to like nuclear. Yes. Nope. That's, that's the way one of our presidents said it. That's not like the nuclear, n- n- you know, but like, they'd be like nuclear. That's always, always, <laughs> no, it's like, that's not right. But so yes, them weapons. I don't know why that's the one word that's like a speed bump for me, but it is, and I try to avoid it at all costs. Um, so you did it though. You know, the, mon- you. the monster American missiles. You know, the ones that eliminate all human life. Um, so they're trying to talk to her, and she doesn't really want to get involved with it. And uh, you could also tell that she like she's choosing to not have time for them. She actively says, "You know what? I do have time, but I don't care." Basically. And then stops time, moves them out in the front lawn, sets them down, which is funny. And that's a pretty funny, yeah. uh, I I like that little piece there. And then whenever they restart time, they're like, "Let's just get out of here!" Like, because they're freaked out about what happened. (laughs) Because they're like foot to face too at that point too. Like, I I thought that was pretty funny because they like they both leaned up and looked at each other like. He's like, well, we should talk to her. And the, the girl's like, nah, like, no, we do not. I don't trust no. this. No. What the hell happened? Yeah, that's funny. Like, <laughs> and it's like, it's one of the few times, it's actually the only time that you see uh, the reaction like outside of the family in the beginning. That's the only time that the, the story leaves her to see how other people react to what just happened. So I think that's also an important like well, a little bit too. There was a sequence earlier too when uh, the when she was just discovering how it works with the family and the father because she's she, she over moved. by she the changed phone positions, and yeah. he's like wait what the uh, so it's like yeah. you get a glimpse like they are still cognitive of like how things change well because it's her. like it's like an edit it's like a it's just you know they to them everything's moving forward constantly and she's the one like just like um when you talked about a certain kind of stopwatch it's like whenever that idiot guy was trying to prove to people in the bar what he was doing and it's like and he didn't really do it the right way and they're like right. you didn't prove anything you know so um, anyway, so that's, 
you know, getting into the last sequence here, she's in a bubble bath, like talking about all the things that she wants to do and kind of enjoy things. And that's when we hear the radio, um, the, the husband's listening to the radio and we find out that Russia's launched there's their chaos. Missiles. Yeah. There's just complete yeah. chaos on the radio and the, the end is just, it's coming. And the, the dad knows he's trying to be like, well, let's just get the family, even though he knows that nothing is going to stop this. And, you know, it's, it's a very, for this being like a 20 minute segment, like a little bit more than that, which is about the runtime of the, the old, the older original twilight zone, this thing moves at a pretty good clip and it's mostly upbeat and funny. And then this thing just takes a hard turn and just punches you right in the face because, you know, the end is coming. Uh, he, the, the dad knows that one of the kids comes in, he's crying, she's upset. And you hear, you start to hear the sound of an explosion and she yells the word stop like three times, you know, and the world stops like she, but she's seeing her family and just knowing like, I can't, you know, if I start up again, like everybody's gone, but they're gone already because they can't do anything. And it's solidified when she goes out into the street. This this is an amazing crane shot. It's an amazing, amazing crane shot that they do. So we saw something very similar when she was at the grocery store and we see all the cars stop. We see the people kind of bustling around, but they're all put in place. They're all stopped. Yeah. It's very similar to the scene where she's going out and she's going out into the street and she's seeing all the cars moving around. She sees all the people in, in chaotic positions. It's this frozen chaos that is so... Because you don't hear anything because there, there's cars with lights on. You see people rushing around, but they're in like these awkward positions. Like it's, you know, at a glance, it's pure insanity like because everyone's freaked out right in the midst yeah and and then she's just walking through with like her her you know bathrobe and again with the way the shot works like we see her come in and the camera kind of just starts pulling back or actually i should take it the other way around she starts on the far right and the camera eventually closes in on her but the way that the camera follows her through as she walks through the whole sequence this again this is television shooting in 85 this, this is, it's, it's very much masterful. Like they're taking the best notes. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. And she locks in on a one particular person looking into the sky Yep. and she looks and she traces the, 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 the viewer's gaze and she sees what is a rocket that is coming down upon them. Yep. Probably about, 10 miles away. Who knows? The trajectory of it. Yeah, it's it's imminent. If this is a nuclear weapon, they're dead. And it is. Yeah. And and also, there's a theater marquee right there with two films, which I'm sure you saw the titles of the films that were in the marquee. Failsafe and Dr. Strangelove. Both of both of them dealing with, you know... Released in 64. Yeah. uh, Both of them are dealing with, like... um, the powers that be uh, and, and messing around with like, you know, <laughs> the weapons and shit going wrong. And one's a comedy and one is not, you know, like mm. they're, they're both speaking to this thing that's going on. It's like, you know, fair play to them to kind of sneak those, those in, right. To kind of get the point across. But, and then also that's it. Cause she looks up and your episode ends with no dialogue, no closing, like no, no closing narration. narration yep. And it's just, it is like for a little piece and quiet, suddenly it gets a lot darker in terms of what that actually means, you know? Right. And so she can exist as long as she wants, but the world is effectively over and she cannot do anything other than be aware of it. And literally all she can do is just look at the people around her and this just weird, uh, 
frozen position and just remember the world. Yeah. Because mean, she, she'll never be able to restart it again. I mean, she could, you know, you could always try in vain of like trying to get your, you know, family like someplace safe, you know, and let's say that she does, right? The, then within seconds of her restarting everything, what happens after, you know, like, so then what's that even mean? You know, right. like, but this is like, it's, it is such a gut punch because, you know, one, cause she screwed, um, the world screwed. Uh, but also for her always wanting just some time and to just, you know, please everybody stop talking and just be quiet because everything was coming at her all the time. The things that she was actively wanting to not pay attention to, um, is the thing that's kind of the undoing to be fair though. She was just one, one person that was nowhere near these talks. So right. no matter what it was coming, but her actively avoiding that and then it actually happening seems kind of important. There's that note of like, you know, you could ignore news. It's still going to be happening around you. You know, like I think, um, I think that's very important to be aware that, of. That, that, that's a perfect way to look at it because I, you know, I've become a little bit more cognitive of like the world around me. I've not really been the, the, the most present when it comes to uh, world news and that. And just just knowing what the hell is going on gives you a little bit more of I don't know I don't want to say a relaxed idea of what the world's going on around you, but like just knowing is better. Like uh, yeah, just I, mean, I think it's always better to know aware. than not know. I mean, I understand that I bring I bring a lot upon myself because I, you know, uh, I engage a lot more with a lot of different like you know not, not that I'm like watching like cable news twenty four hours a day, but there's a lot of things I engage with that are of current topics of interest to me and there's really smart reporting and whatever. Anyway, that's, you know, that's not this podcast. Well, clearly this is not this podcast, but yeah, I, even though it gives me anxiety because the, I know this stuff is going on. There's part of me for me personally, I'd rather know than not know, you know? And I also think that there, like, cause I don't think we're at a place now that we're allowed the, um, the comfort of not knowing. You know, like the things can be said for like, I mean, especially like Penny, like, you know, she, her life was full with her kids, her, her idiot husband, their dog, like, like she can, she can say she doesn't, you know, she could have, I've made my choice. I don't need this other stuff, but I just, I don't think we as a, a, where we're at in this world in this time that we have the convenience of, of purposely shutting out the world because then a lot of things can keep happening without us and without our knowledge and consent that can make things a lot worse. So, you know, I think there's a message here with that. Um, you know, I also think this is, um, when I think of this relation to like earlier twilight zone episodes, this ending to me, I, you know, it almost is up there with like time enough at last and how devastating it is. Right. Right. With the exception of, um, that character, uh, Bemis, I think his name was Henry Bemis. Um, where, you know, he had all the time in the world now because a bomb had dropped, you know, and then his glasses broke and he couldn't even enjoy the thing that he wanted to do. But this is almost as devastating where it's like, she does have the power to continue on, but you know, um, what kind of existence is that really? Yeah. You know, and you know, this, this almost feels like this is the, a kind of stopwatch better done as well. Hell yeah. Um, and so there's a lot here that I'm sure, 
Certainly, a company would have saw this and been like, "Please, please bring like, this right thank now." You. Yeah, like this is we're going to do this right now, you know. And and also, there, this has heart. This harkens back to Elegy, which is one of my favorite episodes of season one of the original series. And there's an amazing, there's amazing crane shots there too of people standing perfectly still that you can't not think of that while watching this. There's a lot of good ingredients in this, and I think it all comes together really well. Yeah, I I think this it fits along the lines of like perfect storytelling with the original series. So, I mean, I I really enjoyed this. I think that there was a a lot to uh, take away from this. Um, the the quibbles that I have with it are very minute. Uh, I think it was a great uh, story. I, yeah, I, I'm glad it exists. You know, this is your first time seeing this, right? Like, yeah. So and I think, I've never I th- seen any one of these stories okay. that exist in the, the '80s rendition. Which, which is funny because, like, I I clearly remember this one as a kid, and I remember it like you know being like, oh, that's bad, you know, and and I think I think my since this was debuting at eight o'clock, and I think my mom was okay with us watching this, and so who knows what parts of the series have broken me because I remembered this one, and the next one we're covering, I remember that one as well. So I think this was also part of this when, they're, when the uh, producers were talking during the commentary of the first segment, Saturday, saying that they kind of came out of the gate swinging and people were watching it and then they kind of dropped off because it was a little too scary. This is not, think about the first story we had. We had Saturday that kind of ended on, I wouldn't say an upbeat note, but more of like a personal like, okay, well, that's what happened. And this one's like, hey, by the way, the world's over. Night. That's our first episode. Everybody see you next week. It's like, this was going to rattle some cages, you know, and... Uh, good on them for for being like you know we're coming out swinging and this is what we're gonna do like very effective. Yeah, I, I, it hit me uh, in a good spot. Like I think this is exactly where I wanted to be with the uh, what we would consider like the remake of Twilight Zone because you know it's it, it's it's their version of it, but it's like well the conceit you want to get good writers you want to yeah. get good stories in here. The conceit you know. is it's a sundial that you can start and stop time, you know, like whatever. Like that's that's as goofy as anything the Twilight Zone's going to give you. It's just fine, but if that gets you to a a character beat or like an ending that makes you think more than I think this, I'm just saying in terms of this script, it could have existed again in the original series. And I think it would have been fine. I think it would have been really good actually. But, and again, not that, not that the 80s series has to be like, well, can it stand up beside the original? Can it have its own merits? I think Shatterday like kind of speaks that you can, it can be, even though I feel like that story also could have existed in the original series. Like it was trying to show you that we're going to be a little different, but we also understand why, we like the, the the Twilight Zone as an idea, and this is where we want to operate in it. And I think this is actually pretty effective. Um, so, yeah, I, I dug this segment a great deal. Yeah, I'm, I mean, especially since it considers uh, like such a an idea of like what the Red Scare could still be too. Like that was really prevalent still at that point. Too, yeah, I mean, so. this was around the time that uh, Rocky, uh, you know, four came out. So. Eventually, I think the ending of this would have been Stallone jumping up in the air and punching the missile away, you know, to some soundtrack. And that would have been an amazing ending right now. Just hitting the missile right back at Ivan Drago. Or like uh, yeah. with Superman 5. Yes, or right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's the quest for peace. That's what, yeah, that's what this is. No, um, no. again, much like, I, I keep saying much like, where Sterling and company in the original series weren't shying away from racism. Um, like all like the sins of the past of uh, World War II, uh, the 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 looming shadow of Vietnam. Even though they didn't realize that's what was going on, like they were in the thick of what was going on then. 
Um, and I'm glad that they're op- this series is operating in the thick of what was happening then as well, because not only do you have stories relevant to the time, I think that's where you find some of the resonance because unfortunately some of these episodes get louder and louder, the older they are. And, you know, in terms of like occupying your headspace, and this is the segment here, I, you know, I know it's called a little peace and quiet, but it, you know, unfortunately, again, this story is, you know, it's gotten louder as it's gotten older because, you know, shit doesn't change. You know? Right. So, yeah. And in selfishness um, still exists as yeah. well. So, yeah. And people, people want to touch butts. I don't know what that means, but, uh, so I have, uh, I don't know if you have other notes or anything. No, uh, that's all okay. I had. So listen to the commentary that was on the DVDs here. And again, I want to recommend this. I'm going to, I'm going to be that show every single time we do these shows. People go, if you cannot like go buy the complete set, it's like 60 bucks or something. Maybe it's a little bit more than that. Um, but you know, you get the whole DVD set. There's a lot of extras on it. Um, cause I still, again, I can't find this series streaming anywhere. So I do apologize for those that can't watch it and, and pay it forward because I mean, there's a lot of creators that were a part of this. So, yeah, I mean, if this, they get any cut of this, then why not? You yeah. Know? Cause it's such a small investment anyways. So the commentary on this uh, was Craven and the producer and somebody else. And they talked about, uh, Craven said, this is one of his favorite segments to do. And then they also talked about the producer said that they, they did something called psychoacoustical processing uh, at Northwestern University's largest computer at their music department at the time. And to get some of this sound process, they had to, the, the computer had to do this thing overnight to process the sound. And what that, what this means is um, it was kind of like a 3d version of sound. They're trying to apply to this and make it very specific. Like they wanted it to kind of come at you. So that's why they extended the sounds in this. We, you can't like, we may not notice, but sorry, we, we may notice this more now because we're used to living in a world of having like uh, 3d stereo and our headphones and the way music, like movies and stuff work. Um, TV, at least CBS at this time, up to this time, most of everything was broadcast in mono and not stereo. This, this and Shatterday were actually recorded and broadcast in stereo. Uh, and it was actually the first CBS show to do so, uh, ever until they ended up doing like an, uh, I don't know the Emmys or something shortly after that. So this was the, like so they made it a point to actually get into the. So sound it was groundbreaking. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And so they were trying to make a point to really like make the sound kind of you know get you into it because like I've watched this. Um, I've now watched this for this show three times because I wanted to catch the commentary, and the the sound is forefront, you know, and and of course it has to be because it's its own character for this, right? So I thought that was cool, especially this yeah. this segment. Um, they all love the dog's performance. Uh, they talked about <laughs> Wes Craven talked about how, cause like the, the producer's like, how'd you get him to stand still? He's like, you know, just the, the, um, the trainer was just like, just looking at the dog, like no stare way. at me, just stare at me. Like, so the no dog, way. Sat, I thought they just freeze framed nope, it. That dog stood perfectly still really? and just stared at the trainer until they got the take. That's awesome. Yeah. I, come, please, sir. If yeah. you, ex- sir or madam, if you still are around, come over and train my dog. <laughs> yeah. I want him to stay still too. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the butt touch sequence was actually not scripted. It was actually worked out between Melinda and Wes Craven. They kind and, of, uh, they, and hopefully the other actor. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you know, but it was something they kind of worked out during the shooting and they, they said it worked out well because she Craven actually said um, that Melinda, he, he said that um, for every bit of directing he gave her, she would always come back with like, 
like challenging him. Oh. And so, cause it was like, and then at the end of the production, she gave him a note of like, Hey, you know, I know that I, like it's been difficult, but I think this has been for the best. So she would kind of push him to be like, I don't know about this. This is what's best for me. And so her, her uh, portrayal on this is a lot of her as opposed to Craven. She was pretty seasoned by this point. Yeah. Too. And so he talked about her being like challenging. He didn't say difficult. He said just challenging. Yeah. And, but like the fact that they kind of worked out this little like comedy, like bit in there too, shows that they were like working together and he didn't say anything negative about it. It's just, you know, people work in different ways. Um, I also um, want to point out that the last shot, that last long, good, big crane tracking shot to end the episode, they only needed like two or three takes to get that. They actually, got that pretty quickly which is amazing and there's actually quite a bit of moving parts there so that's that's well in terms of the camera and her and the, yeah. and, the, and the characters the, the people around well the, but they're literally not moving that's what i'm saying like in terms of keeping them still as the camera is going through all of that for everybody to not significantly move or blink or whatever like that's it's just you how you know yeah. how do you do that you know because now you could just use like like what was it there was that um the jordan peele episode downtime Right. Right. Where everybody's kind of stopped. And it's like that all worked because they're, they're able to do that now and be able to the, shoot things and keep, you know, it all stabilize all those works. images. Yeah. 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 And it all looks like it's still actively going Seamless. on. Yeah. So here it's just, it's amazing. So yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. incredible work for what you have. Like yeah. I, I credit to everybody, all the, all the people in this production at this point, especially Wes Craven, like being a younger, uh, director at this point i mean he still is he he didn't do a whole lot of um shows and like that production has got to be a nightmare as well well no he talked about how like he was surprised that like and the producer also mentioned like how like pretty like for the most part cbs was hands off with a lot of this which again surprising to me not in the past not in the past no he said that the, <laughs> he said the sequence whenever um it was melinda and uh the husband who his Russ name was yeah but husband. greg uh Mulvey, yeah. how like he like they were trying to like the thing with the radio about like the end of the world right yeah and how they kept taking more takes more takes because wes was like i don't think we're there yet and the actors agreed and eventually got to the point where Greg was breaking down in tears, holding the kid. And that wasn't scripted. And he, and, and, and Craven mentioned that like, you know, the CBS like money man was kind of over his shoulder. Like, you know, Hey, you're spending too much time doing this. And he's like, we're, we're going to get it till we get it. And right. in this case, it worked really well, you know, cause again, they're also shooting on film there too, which is like more expensive. Um, but yeah, I think that it shows in the product. Um, and again, surprising that CBS at least up front, wasn't as you know pushy about things, which again we if you'd go back and listen to anything from the original Twilight Zone that we covered, uh, CBS had a lot of things to say about how money was spent about things and whatever. So yeah, so that's what I got from the commentary. So um, add a little bit more uh, color and texture to this. Um, again, like the episode, but yeah. Uh, before we get on to what we're doing next, we gotta we gotta rate that twist. As always, the twist rating here is not uh, regarding the episode itself. Uh, it's more of the twist. Uh, one is we saw it coming a mile away. Five is mind blowing. Um, this one's hard for me because I remembered this as a kid, so I already knew what was coming. But in terms of if you're presenting me the story that suddenly takes this hard right turn and ends up becoming devastating, that should be a five because of how it's landing for me. Five. Okay. So it's it's got to be a five because I did not it's a, it's see a this great one twist. coming. It's a great twist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I enjoy the episode, and like Paul said, it, it doesn't necessarily uh, reflect our opinions on the episode, but 
Like, if I had to, I have to, I have to give the episode or the story uh, a, a rating, I'd give it a five too. It's actually a really good story. It's a good story, and I think that once you understand, like, upon reviewing it and kind of seeing how everything is like put in front of you again, that I there's something about a story. It's like it's almost like when you see like the magician pull um, the tablecloth out and keep all the plates in place. You're like, how did you do that? I think these stories sometimes are like, I've just pulled the tablecloth and you don't even know it's coming yet. Like type of thing. Yeah. And some of these little things like, Oh, it's like, like World the War real III surprise is still coming. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> she says it's like, World War three in here, you know, like that's, you know, you're, it's you're, little, fr- yeah, you're, like you're front loading it. Like, yeah. it's just, I, th- that's the stuff I, I just, I glom onto and I love, you know, and it, and it like, wasn't too much. Like no. all those little things, like it wasn't too much. And it's like, I actually was like floored by how good this episode was. Yeah. So, all right. Um, That's going to do it uh, for our discussion about the second story, uh, a little peace and quiet of episode one. So it's taken us two weeks, but we're now officially through the first episode of the 80s Twilight Zone. Um, You know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slow journey, but it's going to be a worthwhile one. I'll say that. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, we have to give all these pieces and parts their own credits. Yeah. And I, and I I would much rather do that. And I hope you guys all enjoy that as well. Uh, so yeah, you guys can find us on uh, Facebook at Strange Highways. I've been uh, posting uh, some Bruce Bruce Willis's uh, photos or Will I? The Will I? Yeah, yeah. Many Peters have been shown on uh, uh, the Facebook page. Uh, you guys can email us directly at Strange Highways at pod, uh, Strange Highways Podcast at Gmail dot com. Not Strange Highways Gmail at Podcast dot com. Don't do that. Um, yeah, uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And Terry, what else? How people can find us? Otherwise. Check. Check, 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 check us out on Instagram. So go on Instagram, give us a follow, start like spreading the word because uh, we're on there, we're doing our thing. Uh, it's you know it's a little slow go for a little bit here, but we're we're up and running again. We're you know we're yeah, doing it, yeah we're, we're it's got to get going you know like, but it's, yeah. But the most important thing is, especially uh, hinging off of what Paul just said. Uh, you can go on Spotify and you can rate us now. Yeah, they have this new rating system. And thank you, Spotify, if you're listening, Mister Mister yeah, Spotify. Mr. Spotify, yes. please yeah. rate us five stars. Yeah. <laughs> too. I, you know, and I know like people can share stuff from Spotify on social media too. Like I don't have Spotify because I I fear and loathe technology. That's not true. I just you I should know. fear te- technology. I just, yeah, you know, I just um. I listen to things elsewhere and it just, I've just Spotify for me. Like a lot of people enjoy it. Cool. I'm excited for them. Right. I just, I've just never, I've never caught on to it. I so can, you haven't rated our podcast. I have not because I'm not oh, on Spotify. I, I know, but be like Terry, be cool. Like Terry get on Spotify, rate and review, share it with others. If you enjoy this conversation, let other people know the more, the merrier. Don't fear uh, the future. Just, yeah. uh, you know, enlist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, like again, the more, the merrier. We enjoy discussing this stuff. We love digging in. Uh, and we love sharing it with you and I hope you guys enjoy that as well and let other people know too right it's always we have the next like three years mapped out in regards to this this is going to be a journey and please join us so that's the I'll say that so uh, with all that uh, what are we covering next and now Mr. Serling all right uh, season one episode two uh, part a uh, is called it's, it's it, episode two is going to be three segments. So um, the first segment is called wordplay, and I remember this one. Terry doesn't know anything about it, so the le- I won't. I'm not going to even tease it. I'm the novice now. Oh, this is one that it it um, it messed me up weirdly as a kid because I, I I understood what was going on, but it was still like oh 
Like, so maybe, maybe my, uh, you know, seven year old self has, uh, amplified this one in my mind, but it was really weird for me at the time, but it has Robert Klein in it. Annie Potts is also in it as well. We'll talk about her. I love Annie Potts. Yeah. Uh, She's great. So yeah, we're going to get into wordplay uh, and I hope you guys join us there. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, don't eat snakes off the griddle and, um, I don't know. That's, I think that's probably the best one. Don't, well, don't put snakes on the griddle. I mean, I guess if you want to eat snakes, you can, but don't that's there's bacon there too. I, I don't ruin the bacon by putting a snake on the griddle. Be more present.